0: From the EBW studios in Austin, Texas, this is EBW Radio, Empowering a Billion Women by 2020.
1: Welcome to EBW Radio out of Austin, Texas. I'm your host, J.B. Hager, and I've got a friend of EBW, a very, very new friend of Empowering a Billion Women, and his name is Yorick Evans Freak. How are you, man? Very well. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. It's and it's really really interesting. So we're going to get right to cut right to the chase and explain to everybody why you're here. Mm. Um, and
0: because you're you're how old? I'm 25 as of you know, two weeks ago. You're
1: you're 25 yeah. years old, and yet you're coming into EBW on the investor side. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've known any anybody under the age of 50 doing any sort of investment of this type or doing it at all. its You're a very young guy and doing an investment in, in a women's organization to
0: empower them. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Frankly, it's addressing a kind of fundamental market imbalance or a fundamental kind of social imbalance as well. Um, you have very few female entrepreneurs, in you know, proportionally to men. Um, and it strikes me as an incredibly worthwhile and worthy cause. And not to mention the value that it would add to the economy and add to society itself if we had you know, all the talented women out there, you know, achieving the, their goals and their potential. Um, and the potential is boundless. So initially attracted—that's what initially attracted me.
1: Okay, it's just very, very interesting. And you know, your family's background—correct me if I'm wrong—is more mm. in the biotech industry. Yeah. I'm so most, this is a departure mm. from what's familiar for you. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Um, I was. I initially came across impact investing when I was working at a merchant bank in um, London uh, about seven months back or so. Um, what my father does essentially what I consider impact investing in a way, he f- focuses on biotechnology and healthcare. And I've always been very inspired by the fact that he, yes, he's successful at what he does, but his, his accomplishments have a profound impact on the lives of thousands if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And um, there's a greater purpose to what he does beyond just the financial aspect of it. And I was really looking for something that I could make my own that would give me a greater purpose beyond, you know, just chasing the dollar, which seems to yeah. is these days. So, Which would be easy
1: for you to do, right? I mean, As I, an in, investor and uh, some investment banking background that yeah. you have, the knowledge base you have, you could just go and pursue that. Yeah. And no one would think twice of it, mm-hmm. but yet you have this interest in social impact, uh, from my experience, most people who do this kind of thing, they've had a career, mm-hmm. they've not re- maybe not retired, not retired from the grind of their career, and then they wanna leave their legacy mm-hmm. later in life. Uh, are you seeing more 20-somethings that that wanna have a social impact, friends and acquaintances of yours?
0: The timing of what I'm doing is frankly perfect, simply because we have, you know, a, let's say a sorry, large amount of frustration Especially among my generation, um, with the current status quo, with um, let's say the investment community as a whole, and as you know, the finance industry as a whole, I would like to see, you know, impact investing no longer be called impact investing in twenty, thirty years. It's just called investing, long-term, value-added, sustainable investing. Um, and my goal is essentially to kind of show people that that is the true way to add value to our society. I, don't, I think it would vastly minimize, you know, the massive market corrections we have. It would do a lot to just having, you know, market solutions to societal ills that have plagued us for generations. And it's my understanding too, that you're also
1: like hoping to grow social impact networking among younger
0: people. Precisely, yeah. yeah how do you do that? What's, what, what are you involved in with that? So I've just launched my impact investment fund um, and I plan on going live and raising money in about a year. Um, uh, at the moment, it's mostly my capital, a couple friends and family and my father as well. Um, but I would like to have a, you know, a yearly forum um, in New York um, ideally. And I'd like to bring together impact investors, um, you know, some people from the charity space, and honestly, just anybody that's interested and passionate about um, contributing to society and changing the way we view guess, investment for of lack yeah. of a good word. Yeah.
1: You know, it's interesting, York. you're making me feel really guilty about how I acted at 24 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about the life I was leading in my yeah. 20s. I was working hard, but I was playing hard. And I, I certainly didn't have this it sounds like you have a big vision Mm -hmm. for what you want to do and what you want other 20-somethings to do Mm -hmm. and into your 30s as well. I mean, where does that come from? I
0: I think it's an obligation. It's a, frankly, it's a a duty that, you know, we all have that many of us shirk. not to be too preachy about it, but I mean, I've come from a very good background in the sense that I've had a great education. I've had a loving, supportive family, you know, healthy and live in the United States. Um, I consider myself incredibly lucky to have the life I do. And it would be, I mean, frankly, I don't think about it personally, I wouldn't want to judge anybody else's you know, choices, but I would feel it was wrong for me not to find a way to contribute to equal or greater extent than I've been given. Impact investing is my way of doing that. I think it's, um, this is going to be my life's work. And I'm very lucky to have already started on it.
1: That's very cool. Now, you're uh, from Ireland. And I think you spent some time in London. I'm am
0: American by birth. Um, grown up in America, I went to high school in Switzerland for a number of years. And then I lived in London after that. Um, I went to college at College Charleston in South Carolina. And then I moved back to London and I was... So you've um, never lived in Ireland? No, um, we have a family home in Ireland. And okay. I spend, uh, you know, at least a month there every year. Um, honestly, my entire life, I've probably never spent more than, you know, a month in one place or constantly traveling. <laughs> I'm lucky to have be been able to do that, but... I spent a lot of time in Ireland and Ireland's really uh I'd say my you kind know, of spiritual home and real base. It's honestly the most beautiful, especially down in West Cork where we are. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly peaceful and I feel a real connection. I mean, this might sound cheesy, but to the land and to the, you know, the structures that are left that my family built there and I feel a, you know, a duty to continue that and and you know, I'm kind of bear the standard on.
1: I, you know, as I was uh it comes up, it's one of the first things that comes up if you search your family's name is is it the, the castle in that there's been an effort to restore that which i'm fascinated by yeah like i can't even fathom what sort of undertaking that is it's not like you it's pretty monumental (laughs) it's not like you can just find somebody who restores castles right uh what is that place like what's the state of it now
0: castle freak which is one you're referring to that's Mm -hmm. the very the more well-known one um that's a shell at the moment um it was went through a fire and all the, uh, you know, the roof was stripped off of it. And it's basically just a shell at the moment. And we're putting that back together, uh, you know, literally piece by piece, you know, finding artisans and you know, looking for old pictures and records of what it used to be like. I, I think this will be something that uh, for generations on you'll, it'll never be t- truly finished. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's almost like a living organism. If you, right, when you walk by it now, you have the sense that you're kind of walking by like a sleeping giant almost. Right. And it's kind of the purpose of bringing it back. But there's a, about a half mile away, there's an older fortress um, with a farmhouse in the ruins of the fortress. And that was destroyed partially during the tsunami back after the uh, earthquake in Lisbon. It's
1: just interesting. And I think the time you've spent in the U.S., you, you know that we're fascinated by castles, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, I've gathered that. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get a conversation going, you know, it's, oh, by the way, I'm restoring a castle. Yeah. I just think it's really, really fascinating. Would, would it ever be, uh, I've never been in one, would it ever be a, a livable, habitable place? Certainly.
0: Hopefully within the next few years. Really? Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What What else do you like to do, York? when you're not working and, and you know, working for the greater good and social impact? What do you do for fun?
0: Um, well, I love to ride motorcycles. I've got a, a couple of Ducatis that I, uh, um like to drive probably slightly more fast than is uh, reasonable <laughs> or sane. But now, have you and
1: our founder, Ingrid, talked Ducatis? Because that's her
0: passion, too. Yeah, we have briefly, and I'm sure she'd kick my ass up and down the track. <laughs> so I might need to find a good school, and then we can talk again. Yeah,
1: I love that. I love yeah. that. And I think I saw uh, on your resume you got a rugby background, too.
0: Yeah, I was a captain of my school's rugby team for a number of years, and I uh, you know, like to box as well. So uh, – the-
1: from the rugby friends I have had in my life, you like to get rowdy as hell in a bar on occasion too. Like,
0: on occasion. On occasion. <laughs> Less so now than w- my younger, when I was in college and all that, but yeah.
1: But the uh, the guys I know that p- played rugby, they always knew they could find a good Irish pub, find mm-hmm. some other uh, r- ruggers. Do they use the term ruggers? Yes. And you've got a brotherhood in any city oh, almost in instantly, in yeah. an instant.
0: Yeah, well, it's kind of a... Kind of common bond forged through you know, hitting each other full speed in the mud and you know it's a it's an absolute blast.
1: You've managed yeah. to keep your teeth in, in and in and your most nose part. straight. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Most <laughs> of the guys I know have scars all over
0: their faces from that. Yeah, yeah, I was lucky enough that I bounced most of the time, <laughs> and I. And I uh, you know,
1: uh, back to Ingrid and EBW, and, mm-hmm. and you guys probably are kindred spirits on on the Ducati thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, have you guys had much of a chance to spend time together?
0: We have. Um, initially, I heard about EBW while I was working in London before I'd actually made the jump to uh, you know, launching my impact fund, and uh, I was fascinated by um, the idea of it and the mission of it. And I saw an interview with Ingrid and. It was, what was really clear to me from the outset was, you know, her passion and the fact that she really had a vision there. And frankly, the more I get out in the world, I'm still very young, but I see that it's kind of, it's very rare to see somebody that has a true passion, honestly, for something more than themselves. Um, so I was initially very interested my father and I met with her in New York. And after that first meeting, it was an immediate click. You could see that, you know, she was staring over the treetops while people are counting the trees. I mean, I was (laughs) immediately inspired and, um, it, fit perfectly with what I wanted to do as well. How could someone listening help you do what you do? How could someone help me do what Yeah, you know, we've got do. you've got an
1: audience of of young women out there, entrepreneurs, yeah. like how can they help you achieve everything you want to achieve with your social impact funding?
0: I would say by by stepping up and taking a risk and taking responsibility for our generations and my generations and the younger generations' role in the world. So I think a lot of people kind of fall into the trap of um, you know, working within the system they were given, rather than kind of taking a look at it and saying there's something very wrong with these parts of the system. Let's go ahead and change it instead of, you know, waiting around to see what it's like in 10 years and who has changed it, why not be the ones to do it? So personally, it just comes down to personal responsibility, uh, because I'm definitely not the only person doing this, um, but it's going to take a massive collective effort if we want to do this.
1: Do you feel like your generation gets beat up a lot in the media? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just when yeah. And, and millennials is a broad range of, it's, a, a, yeah. it's almost and, a derogatory and, term, uh-huh. you know, it, it, you guys take a pounding in the media mm-hmm. being around you and your social circles. Like, how would you like to set the record straight? Cause I, I think mm-hmm. there needs to be more young voices out there. Yeah. Tell them the good things you're doing, because every time I read an article, or people just passively talk about millennials. They think you're all have your faces buried in your phone and you, mm-hmm. you don't know how to talk to humans anymore. And Which in some cases <laughs> is probably pretty true. Yeah. So, you know, now you're the voice of everyone mm-hmm. your age. How would you like to set the record straight? What do you see with your friends and acquaintances?
0: Well, I'm very lucky that my close group, circle of friends and most of the people I've met or, or I'm close with are far more involved with themselves and their futures than Oh, no. <laughs> involved with themselves comes out the wrong way, but far more involved with their futures and um, taking a real active, proactive role in their lives uh, than the media would vastly portray it as. Um, I actually occasionally wonder whether that is a you know media-created stereotype, or if there actually are enclaves of millennials walking around with their faces on their phones, you know. Getting hit it's, by buses. Yeah, and, and cars <laughs> going, whizzing by, horns blaring. They don't even know they're liking.
1: There is a lot of that, but maybe that gives you an advantage, right? <laughs> Honestly, I,
0: yeah, and it, it gives me an opportunity to, I mean, if there, if everybody was doing exactly what I was doing, um, it, that'd be amazing because we get there a hell of a lot faster. Right. But I'd probably have less control over what I was doing. The fact that there is kind of scarcity of people in the space, especially in my generation, yeah. um, it gives me an opportunity to take the lead and try to shape this in a way that, I feel will be good okay. for lack of a oh, better hard. word.
1: I want to. I want to try, try this for a second because, yeah. uh, like I said, most investors I've ever met, and when I've been doing fundraising, they're all guys over the age of fifty-five, and mm-hmm. and they all just they come across the same way as investors. And you're yeah. a young investor. Um, you mentioned what struck a chord with you and your father when you met Ingrid. I yes. love that analogy. Yeah. She's looking. How do you say it? she's just looking above the trees? Well, while... she's looking over the
0: trees while people are counting them.
1: I love that. Yeah. So, um I'm th- again. I'm thinking about the people listening to this who might be trying to approach an investor like you. Like, what mm-hmm. what catches your eye? What gets your attention? What do you look for? What I look
0: for are people that are really take a partnership in so the very concept concept of impact. It's you know it's very different for every investment, but they're not you know passive investors that are putting the money there and then, you know, okay, tell me when I've got my, my yearly return. Um, you want people that are proactive, that are willing to not only, you know, contribute their finances and funding, but to contribute their passion, their time, their networks, um, their voices to, so as I say, this is gonna take a massive collective effort mm-hmm. to get where I wanna get. So I'm looking for people that are willing to be partners in this. Yeah. Is,
1: there, is there anything, Yorick, that people have come to you as an investor that turned you off? that we could learn from?
0: I would say a lack of integrity. If I can't trust somebody, um, I, there's no way in hell I'm going to work with them. It doesn't matter if they've got, you know, a solid business plan that's going to generate a you know, massive return. If I can't trust them, I don't trust their motivations. I absolutely no interest in working with them. Wow. Yeah. And you can sniff that out, right? I've <laughs> actually, I mean, even at my young age, I've actually got a decent instinct for that. Yeah. And honestly, it comes down to the end goal as well. I'm not, I'm very much against the entire, you know, kind of smash and grab and, you know, speculative nature of a lot of, um, the investment industry. Um, its essentially a glorified boiler room in some of these situations. Yeah. And I'm very much against that vehemently. Who do you idolize? Who do I idolize? Well, I can think of, of three people, okay, so I would say. So initially my father, he is one of the, the most incredible man I've ever met. He's an incredible mentor, incredible teacher. He's such a selfless human being. He's given so much and continues to give so much to you know, his family, his friends, the world around him. Um, and he has an incredible Incredible, insane work ethic. I don't think I've ever seen him yawn. Ever seen him tired. He's constantly traveling. So I respect the absolute hell out of him. Um, second would be Elon Musk. simply Because he's got such an absurd vision that you can't tell him he can't do something. You know, he came out of South Africa and he read comics and he wanted to one day go to Mars. So, you know, with no background in the space industry, he starts a space company. and now he's Have you ever met him? Space. No, no, I would love that's to. That's on your list. Yeah, but I, I love that kind of unreasonable to everyone else, but to yourself, utterly reasonable dedication to a vision that everyone else tells you you can't achieve. Mm-hmm. That's completely impossible. It may seem irrational, but you're just going to make happen and you believe will happen simply because you will. Um, so I, I love that about him. Um, I'd say the third is the, the picture that I have of myself down the line. I There's someone that I you know want to be that has certain qualities, that is certain aspects of them that selfless honest, charitable, gives back to the people around him, to his community, has an amazing family and is just utterly, I have this vision of myself down the line and that's someone that I'm constantly chasing and I probably will never quite get there because it's, this person's utterly perfect, let me tell you.
1: You've but, literally, in your, have you ever, have you actually sketched out what you'll be like, like written out, what you I, you will be like in 10, 20 years I've or never are actually, you just always picturing it in your head? It's more it's like of a, an image.
0: it's more of a picture that. It's not something I've actually gone through and articulated each and every quality, yeah. but it's a kind of it's a, it's an intangible quality, a, a kind of an amalgamation of all the qualities that I think are you know good and positive in a person, and that's what I'm essentially chasing. And it's very intangible, so and it's actually good that it's intangible because then I can never actually achieve it. And it'll force me to keep you know aiming higher. I love that.
1: Hey, York, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This is EBW Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to EBW Radio, empowering a billion women by 2020.